I've spent the last 12 years attempting to build the ultimate clinic gym hybrid facility where we offer advanced sports chiropractic and the ultimate in exercise progressions. Now I've sold that business and decided to take the plunge to create a massive change within the world of chiropractic. My goal is to get a hundred other chiropractors to completely revolutionize our industry and provide exactly what we want our patients to experience while helping to double our profits and maximize the license that we're given. But the real question is this, how can we create this massive change without becoming sleazy salespeople or doing crazy marketing efforts? This podcast has the answers. So follow along as I learn, apply, and share the information from the best minds out there into this Clinic Gym Radio. I'm Josh Satterley, and I'm happy to have you here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Clinic Gym Radio. I'm always your host, Dr. Josh Satterley, and I'm honored today to be joined by Kevin Carr out in Boston, Mass. Kevin, how are you, buddy? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me on here. Awesome. Uh, this is exciting for me because, Kevin, we go way back to the streets of Providence, you know, the mean streets of uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Shit, that was like seven years ago or something when I first met you. But since then, you have seen some amazing changes in the world of fitness, in the world of integrating fitness and medical. And, uh, and you've, I've always appreciated the fact that you are an educator among many other things. And I'm hoping you can educate some of our people today. No, um, hey, Providence is where it all happens, man. I'll tell you, that's, it's, time flies though, seven years. And I think you're, you're right on that timestamp. So it's, it's crazy how uh, quickly stuff changes. But hopefully I can, uh, I can you know, be of uh, some entertainment to the people listening and I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. All right. So can you give everybody a little breakdown of where you operate out of and what you do so they can kind of get you on the map in their mind? Yeah. Um, primarily, I'm a coach at Mike Boyle Strength and Conditioning in Boston, Massachusetts. And I've worked there as a strength and conditioning coach and personal trainer for 10 years now. Um, so when people tend to ask me what I do, the first answer I always say is, is I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Um, in that um, job, it kind of progressed into me also becoming a massage therapist. So Brendan Rierich, um, who I went to school with, I went to UMass with Brendan, um, was working. You guys met me. over foam rolling, right? Like, we did. We bonded. Yeah. You know, if you've ever been in a college, like, rec center. It's lots of guys flexing, lots of testosterone, people not really talking. Yeah. And Brennan and I kind of did the whole, you know, circle around each other for a little while without saying anything. And then he saw me on a foam roller and that's how we, uh, we broke the ice was, uh, how we learned to foam roll. So yeah, and I've, it's all history from there. Yeah. That was uh, the, that was as functional as that place got right then. Right. Yeah, no, no, no one had ever brought a foam roller into that gym. <laughs> lots of bench press. Um, no. And it, it, we eventually, when we met at and we worked together at Mike Bush and conditioning. We uh, eventually decided we both went back to massage school and started movement as medicine, which Mike was gracious enough to let us do um, within his facility. And we started a, a rehab clinic um, for the clients at MBSC right there. Um, and now that has uh, progressed further us into us building an education business with certified functional strength coach. So my home is definitely all at the underneath that MBSC roof. Um, but I have, you know, lots of hats to wear in that, in that one place. So it's, it's a nice place for me to be. For a second, go back to when you guys started the movement as medicine before that. What, I mean, there, you know, you were young, motivated, uh, certainly with the best mentor you could ever wish for in the world, strength and conditioning, right? With Mike Boyle. What was the pressure that, that kind of not forced, but motivated you to go and pursue the massage therapy license? Cause that wasn't easy, right? That was nights and weekends and long yeah. days, right? It's funny when we, I know both Brendan and myself, when we were going into school with a kinesiology degree, we'd all, we toyed with the idea of, you know, 
doing physical therapy or doing athletic training and doing strength and conditioning. So we had a passion for exercise and, and fitness. Um, and then we both got experience within the fitness world, really want to kind of keep, you know, the majority of our work in strength and conditioning. But at the same time, when we were working with some people, we thought like, okay, I could help this person more kind of closer to the um, rehab end of the continuum. Um, and then in talking with a lot of people, both physical therapists, both strength and conditioning coaches and massage therapists, we found with the population and the work that, that we wanted to do, we thought, well, massage therapy is something um, from a practical standpoint that I can continue working at MBSC and do. Um, I can afford it as we were like paying out of pocket kind of like month by month um, and work with the population I want and kind of build that, that vision. So we consulted with, with people about like, okay, is this really a doable thing? Um, and then we, it was helpful to have a friend that I was, Brendan was living, uh, with, with me at the time when we were roommates and we'd say, okay, let's just commit, you know, a couple nights a week. And then on Saturday, we're going to get this done in like a year to 18 months. And we just kind of put our head down and, and built it and, and then built a business right from there. That's awesome. A uh, couple questions. I love the fact that you did it that way because, you know, I teach for SFMA nationwide and talk to a lot of physical therapists and chiropractors and athletic trainers. And, and when you ask, especially the PTs and for PTs listening, I'm going to, I'm going to play the stereotype game here because it works. <laughs> Sorry. But when you ask PTs, why'd you go to PT school? They like eight or nine out of 10 of the answers will be, I wanted to work in sports. And then second question, what do you do now? I work in outpatient orthopedic rehab, <laughs> mostly doing what? Geriatrics and joint replacement. Right on. And uh, it's sad because, they, you know, everybody went into PT for sports and you see that in chiropractic as well, but they're not working in sports, you know, and you were able to stay within that thing that you want to do and work with athletes, certainly, right? And, and have this additional skill set. Uh, so it, <laughs> I think you might be in the there's a little sweet spot in that Venn diagram of where can you have a lot of hands-on skills, a lot of fitness continuum, and there's another little asterisk without spending a ton of cash. And it's like, well, there's only one way to do that. Yeah. And, and we backed into it. And I remember, I, I think seeing the strength and conditioning end of things and being like, okay, I can provide, if I have the right manual skills and I, I understand exercise, how it fits into rehab the right way, like I can have a really big effect in my environment and, and get get the job done how I want without losing, you know, what I really want to do for a living and how I identify myself as a coach. And, and that it worked out really well doing it that way. And, and not everyone has the luxury of kind of like, I, I, I would tell people like I started thankfully on second base. Like I, I, my first real job in fitness outside of gold's gym was Mike Ball strength and conditioning. Um, so I was lucky to be able to kind of see that as my first window as instead of having to find myself thereafter. Yeah. But in doing that, it, it helped, it helped put me in connect with the people who would teach me how to work the massage stuff and how to work the rehab stuff into what we were doing because it, it helped me build that network early. And for people who don't, who aren't familiar with movement as medicine, when you say massage, you're not, uh, there's not Enya playing and like a low level lights, and, <laughs> right? I mean, like this is a different, no. that's no. the skill set, but that's not the, that's not yeah. the clinic setting, right? Yeah, we had to go through some of that in massage school, but then yeah, right. We the the goal we always tell people is I want to spend as little time on the treatment table as possible, um, and then we want right. to get you moving and starting to move towards things like look like exercise as soon as possible. And and we've kind of built that reputation that like people don't come here for spa time. Um, so it, it the the identity we built is kind of uh, Mike made that for itself. But yeah, it is it is uh, 
therapeutic in mind and with an exercise outcome uh, as the goal. Yeah. So you still haven't yet bought your first set of magical crystals. I do not have any of oh, those. Man. And I do if not the have massage any. board hears about this. They're going to pull your license, brother. Like you better check on that. <laughs> I haven't got any of those massage music DVDs playing. Either, yeah. So yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Cause I'm, I'm interested uh, because I know that m- m- if there's one thing Mike Boyle strength and conditioning is known for, it's like, do not injure your client. Like, and you guys work hard to basically reduce as many exercises out of your program that have the possibility of being, whether it, it, it's ones that make, you know, shoulders cranky or, or low back, like you guys don't, don't advocate back squatting because of the stress on the low back and what, whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. So here you have the best coaches in the world running the best program in the world that has been specifically designed to not injure patients, yet you're telling me that there is still a need for you guys to go to massage school, right? Yeah. Tell me about that because it, it's kind of surprising, but I want to, I want to know how that works. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously the number one thing we always say, like, like you mentioned was reduce training related injuries. I don't want people buckling on a squat. I don't want people, you know, doing things in the weight room that could potentially lead to mistakes. Right. That said, we still have, whether it's general population people, cause we're about 50, 50, um, regular people and athletes and athletes who come in with, Hey, my hip really started aching me. Um, when I left work today and I'll sit in the car or the athlete saying, Hey, I played a bunch of games this weekend. My hip feels jacked up. So you have those kind of wear and tear chronic things that you're going to deal with, whether it's them dealing with an old injury or them have something else that's popping up. And that's really kind of what, what drew us into it is like, I'm sick of, you know, you know, Jim coming in and telling me how his hip is achy and he's not willing to go see a therapist outside here for treatment. But I think based on me looking at his hip, that if I give him some manual work and then start to provide him some exercise that, that I can solve this problem for him because I, I, we used to fight the battle of like, okay, go see this PT or get this referral or or whatever. And then things might not change for that person. I said, well, I'm going to just find a way to, to try to provide that service for them if that's possible. And that's really what, uh, what helped Brandon and I kind of see that opportunity there um, not just as therapists, but yes, obviously as business people, there was a, a window for us to be able to provide a service there that wasn't being, wasn't being serviced. So no matter what gym it is, the best in the world, you're still going to have people that, I mean, it, probably what the deal is, it's not, it's not your program. It's the fact that your, your program is working with people who still sit 80 to 90% of their day. Right. And then it's like, Hey, now I'm going to teach you an exercise that puts you into full uh, hip extension in the active range of motion. And it's like, well, shit, I haven't done that in 20 years. And it's like, I know, but we're going to walk you through it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it, it's the, it's what they're not doing when they're with you guys. It's probably throwing them off. Yeah. Is- it's it, training is stress for everyone. Like you said, there's a lot of people come in and they're not set up to deal with that. And, and you have to kind of walk them to it and, and sometimes provide them a little extra something outside of training session to help them adapt the way that you want. So yeah, I, I think that no matter where you are, you're going to have people who uh, who don't feel right. And I think, I think sometimes when you look at the internet, everyone thinks like some training centers are like some panchia that's like perfect. Like everyone feels great. Um, but no, I mean, you walk in, you can see any population of people dealing with all sorts of ailments and MBSC, just like you could, you know, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you even seen it like at uh, lifetime fitness, for example, you know, major, major massive chain and they're putting clinics in every one of their places because they're, like you said, a business opportunity is just there. It's just, Hey, people need you. They might not need you. You know, the populations inside this building working out three days a week or more may not need you as often as a different population would, but certainly that doesn't eliminate them from, from doing it, exactly. like from needing the work. 
Yeah. So this is great because I think that there's a lot of people out there who are thinking, you know, we're talking to chiropractors and physical therapists and they're thinking like that people that they need to wrap their arms around everybody, every quote unquote patient in their clinic. And one of the things we try and do with our program is encourage them. Like, you know, it's probably 30% of your clientele that could be handled by a really great trainer, or certainly there's definitely 30% that could be handled by somebody like yourself. That is a, is a, strength coach and a massage therapist, like having those two skill sets. Um, what, what, like, how do you ma- navigate, navigate that? Like, when do you end up sending people to a physical therapist or Cairo? Um, so I use the SFMA, which obviously, yeah. um, you're an instructor in, and I, I use the boxes to guide my way through that client. Okay. Right. And if I run into something that needs like a, a joint thrust or a mold uh-huh. that I'm not qualified to do, I have, we have a PT in the building and John Paloff, I can send over there. We have a couple other PTs in the area I sent to. If it's By the cool, way, if anybody's ever done Paloff presses for their core, that, that's the dude who invented Paloff presses. Hence right, I see him every day. Presses. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll send to him or another PT or, um, you know, if it's something that's really acute, like I'm not an athletic trainer or a PT to deal with something like you just did. I'll say, hey, why don't you go see them for the acute care if you need me, come back. So, I mean, I deal with tissue extensibility issues. I deal with motor control issues. Mm -hmm. Um, The vestibular stuff I'll refer out. So, it's like the big thing that really has helped our business, I'd say more than anything else, is having an assessment process that I believe in and trust because it keeps me targeted on the things that I can treat and I can manage and it helps me easily refer out and say, okay, hey, you're going to go across the hall or you're going to go down the street and see this other person. Um, And and I think that's what I always tell massage therapists or trainers who look into massage school and think, Hey, I want to do this. I say, we have to believe in a system that's going to keep you and the person prospective patient who's coming to see you safe and healthy and get them the best treatment. Um, because you, you can't treat everything because even the best PTs have to refer to somebody else or should often refer to somebody sure. else sometimes and they don't. So, um, that, that has really been the, the baseline is having the right lens to look at everything through. Nice. And you also uh, were saying before we started recording that um, in the CFSC programming, which I think is like the best strength and conditioning program that anybody can learn. And I would say it even bleeds into rehab a lot. Like if you look at a Venn diagram, one of the things you guys have done is kind of like, like taken a strength coach and taught them enough of the lower level exercises that in an office would be called rehab, but really might just be where that person needs to start fitness. And it also allows the clinician to go, all right, what, what's after this easy rehab? How can I get them back to playing a sport, jumping, running, hiking, all those things they want to do? Cause most rehab ends way too early. In my opinion, like there's no load inv- involved. There's no stress to the point where you're actually stressing the joint. So I really like the fact that you guys are doing that program, but uh, what are you seeing in, in your courses there? Uh, as far as like the division of strength coach, collegiate strength coach, uh, you know, maybe concerned parent, clinician, all, all those different people. I know that all those have entered your rooms, right? Yeah, it, it's been way more diverse than we originally thought. I remember when we first started to kind of plan it out, we talked about thinking, okay, it's going to be mostly the personal trainer and like the private strength and conditioning coach. We didn't think we'd have as much of a touch with the collegiate and professional levels. And there's been more of those. But then the more unexpected was the chiropractic, um, the physical therapist, people from the medical realm in general, some doctors um, that have come in to try to think, okay, how, what do I do towards the end of it? And, and what is the exercise component? Because they haven't coached exercise. And, and I really commend the, 
the medical people that have come in and said, okay, I, I've never taught deadlifting. I've never taught push up really. I've never taught like plank properly and, and taking them through that and exposing them to that um, ha- has been really, really cool. So that, that has been a, a really uh, growing demographic and it's really encouraging to see. Hey, we'll get right back to our interview with Kevin Carr after this quick message. Hey, I'm really excited that Clinic Gym Radio now has a sponsor, and that sponsor is the CSA Academy. That's the Chiropractic Success Academy. And you can check them out at membership.csacircle.com. Now, what is the CSA Circle, the Chiropractic Success Academy Circle? Well, it was a program developed by Dr. Bobby Maybe and Dr. Kevin Christie, two of my friends and two people who I think are, I believe are leaders in the industry. And what they saw was a need for chiropractors to get the basic skills to have a successful clinic operating day in, day out. And, and they kind of divided it into four things. Number one, you have to be a great clinician. And so they share information and uh, knowledge and techniques and whatnot to help you become or maintain your skills as a great clinician because that's what your patients are showing up for. But secondly, if you're doing it on your own, you got to have great business skills. So there's the businessman uh, the business person track as well that teaches you things about finance and um, running reports and what numbers to look at, maybe even help you with bookkeeping. And then they say there's also the uh, human being, right? There's that person that needs to have that success mindset and that that idea of, hey, I'm going to make this and keeping yourself sane. I know there were dark times in my career and uh, I, I bet there's dark times ahead. And having that positive mindset is certainly a huge help. So they share information with that. And then finally, they, they talk about the producer. Anymore, if you're going to be advertising and marketing, you have to be a producer of quality content, whether that's blogs or videos or ads or writings or articles for a local newspaper, does not matter. You have to be constantly producing quality content. So they uh, have coursework around that, how to maintain your sanity while pr- putting out fantastic content and in a, a volume that will help actually build your practice. So if any of those things are of interest to you, then definitely check out the Chiropractic Success Academy and that's at membership.csacircle.com. Again, that's membership.csacircle.com. Dr. Bobby Maybe, Dr. Kevin Christie, they're good guys. I believe in them. I believe in their product and I believe in you too. And I hope you're getting value out of this podcast. And if you wouldn't mind going and giving them a look to see if it's the right fit for you, I would certainly appreciate it. They're paying for the production of this episode. So at least we can do is tip our cap, take a gander, and hope that maybe uh, those people who would find value in their product end up signing up. So let's get back to our interview with Dr. Or sorry, with Kevin Carr. Not yet a doctor, but let's get back to our interview with Kevin Carr now. What are typically the questions you get from the maybe private strength coach or personal trainer that's in the gym versus what are the questions you get from the clinicians? that and all wrap, you know, Cairo PT, uh, athletic trainers, all, all that in that kind of realm. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, from the personal trainer and the, the privatized like strength and conditioning coach, those types of questions, um, lots of times are, are performance related or dealing with or how to pose on Instagram. Yeah. Well, that too, nope. there's a lot okay. of, yeah. How do you, how do you get the right light right, um, sure. on your pictures? Um, <laughs> but things like performance related, like, Hey, should I stretch? before I run, um, like, you know, is, um, should I squat below parallel? Cause I had a doctor tell my client, no, things like that. Like those types of like, yeah, yeah. The, the ones that like you could 
think the average personal trainer who might not have as much experience yeah. might, might ask. Okay. Um, from the medical side of things, it's more or less basic exercise coaching because that's kind of where their blind spot is. Mm-hmm. Like they might understand, you know, the, the recommendations, the things that the personal trainers might ask, but they don't have the, the basic understanding of, okay, this is how we progress a load. Um, this is, you know, how I make things easier or harder or my major coaching cues to get the things in the positions that I want because they don't have the, the one-to-one uh, exercise coaching skills that maybe a personal trainer or strength and conditioning coach might have. Um, so that's really fun because it's like dealing with someone who's getting excited about exercise for the first time. Um, so like when you see someone who's like spent all their time, you know, said like with a typical like outpatient clinic and, and not, you know, had to teach someone how to deadlift and you, and they start to connect the dots between, okay, this is why it might help their back pain, um, or teaching them to heart style plank, why that might, you know, help them with their, their chronic back pain. That's, that's really a cool experience. Yeah. It's crazy what introduction of strength will do to some chronic pain cases, like people that have, you know, had especially low back, I find like, if you just get their legs fired up, what, like two workouts, I'm not talking, there's no way it could be hypertrophy. Like it's way earlier than that, but just that neurological sequencing, or I don't know if it's like a giant reset for the body, but God dang, does it change lives sometimes? And you're like, I've had patients tell me like, I, nobody's ever taught me this stuff. Like, I don't understand why I've gone through four other places. Why, why did nobody show me this? And you're like, man, we just basically got, you know, you do some glute bridges and then I'll teach you how to deadlift and and it just changes their whole body. It's incredible. Yeah. And like you said about, like, it could be like a session or two and they're like, Hey, I feel better. And then you said, and like, you know that that's not them gaining muscle. You just know that they couldn't have not had added muscle mass in that time. Right. And I was talking. Well, I am to, a pretty good coach. Yeah. <laughs> so I could probably hype. No, <laughs> I was talking to um, someone about this the other day about like half the job about being a really good exercise person who prescribes exercise, especially in the rehab um, end of things is you're just, if you pres- give them the right cues and you give them the right progressions, half of it is not necessarily physical tissue change as much as it is psychological guarding. Hey, it's okay for my knee to get in this position because I'm holding this TRX. Um, you might not have changed the tissue there, but after two sessions, like, oh, my knee feels stronger and feels better mm-hmm. because psychologically they feel better. And then that progression three weeks later, they feel comfortable going to and going to. And then at some point it becomes the actual physical change of hypertrophy or the elasticity of tissue, whatever it might be, but half of like the progressions and regressions and things in CFSC are, Hey, it's safe for me to do this exercise now from a, a rehab perspective. Yeah. It, it's, it's crazy. Uh, <laughs> that occurs. I, I don't know if you saw the study, but Mike Voigt over at Belmont was telling me there's actually a study they did with cross-sectional MRI of the multifidi. So mm-hmm. that's a huge sentence right there. But, <laughs> and after two weeks of rolling protocols, you're familiar with the rolling, right? Like in the SFMA that they doubled in size two weeks. No, not what, you know, there's, which is crazy because the number one, oftentimes the number one driver of low back pain is this idea that of, you know, atrophied or, or uh, non-used multifidi. And here he's saying, yeah, just rolling puffs them up or fills them up. Like it's like, it's gotta be blood flow or something like that because yeah. it's too fast, but they see it on cross-sectional MRI. So um, that's one of those, it just blows my mind. I don't know the mechanism, but who cares? Like if it works, it works. <laughs> exactly. I don't need and to if, know how. Yeah. And if an RFE gets that person to like, all of a sudden they're, they're, there's more, uh, of their strength is coming from their legs or they're using their legs more than their back in daily activities. Perfect. If that woke them up enough, I, I don't care about the mechanism, you know, it's, it's great. So, 
uh, what along the lines, what's the most surprising question you've ever had at a CF, CFSC from like the medical community? Like, did one blow you away? As- well, uh, maybe just sometimes, like, I, I just assume people know more about exercise than, than, I, than they do. You know, I think, I, I think kind of when I've been doing it for a little while, I just assume some of the stuff that, you know, you might have learned years ago that, that they might have got maybe in their education somewhere, but then you realize they have a completely different history than me. So, you know, just basic, you know, again, like, should they squat below parallel? Um, you know, ha- like, oh, is breathing important? Which is like a question that you figured went out with like Richard Nixon's presidency, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Things like that. Um, but then again, you realize when we started the cert, we, we kept saying, oh, we're making this too easy. Parts of this are too easy. And I always liken the fitness industry to um, an iceberg. Like the people you see, the people you relate yourself with on social media or in your education circles are what's above the waterline. Mm-hmm. The majority of everything else is below that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's, that's what'll sink the ship, right? And so you got to realize those are the people you have to educate. You have to go provide answers to them and then provide in a way that you don't feel like, you know, sometimes people talk down to the people don't know, realize that these people don't know what they don't know. Um, so now I don't really get as surprised as I used to. Cause at first I was kind of like, Oh, you don't know this, but then you teach enough and you realize a lot of people just don't know a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. What's a, what's something that you've totally changed your mind on in the last like two years, like something that you were, totally for and now you uh, rail against it or, or opposite. Maybe an exercise that you thought was great and now you're like, eh, it might not have been a good job. Um, let's see, something I was against. Um, I, I asked Jason, you know, Jason Glass up in Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. I asked him and he goes, oh, battle ropes too early in a program. He's like, yeah, that one took me about six months to figure out because it takes about six months for the elbow tendonitis to really develop. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> why does everybody in my gym have elbow tendonitis? It's like, um, a few things. Um, one, this is something Mike's talked about. We've gone in, we are doing sprint timing, like almost every single day with athletes now, um, went with our athlete program pretty much daily. You're, you are, you have started doing timing every day that they're in the yep. gym. Yeah. Okay. We need to sprint more. Um, we just, we were worried more about, okay, things like hip flexors and hamstring strains, but we, yeah, yeah. if we, We've progressed kind of how we do the timing and that we found timing the sprints daily makes a huge difference as far as how hard they run and give, giving them feedback. Um, and, and we talked about in the staff meeting yesterday and we, we, we always talk about, you know, sprint mechanics, coaching all the little things about sprint mechanics. But sometimes you just have to have them sprint, right? And when you liken it to teaching someone to ride a bike, you could tell someone, hey, when you get on the bike, the seat has to be straight. And, you know, then you have to start pedaling slow. And then when you turn left, you turn the handlebar, but they don't really have an idea of what riding a bike is until they yeah. ride the bike. My um, friend always says, I can't teach you how to swim standing dry on the deck. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, we've done more volume of time sprinting and, and that is, we've seen our athletes all get a lot faster. Wow. Um, how are you was, objectifying it by the way? Or like stopwatch or using lasers? What do you Yeah, use? we have a laser. So we have a Brower uh, timer. So, okay. and then we just record all the kids every single time and we just mark PRs and, and things like that. Um, nice. and then also something I've worked in a lot of people is just more sled work. And huh. I've always liked sled, but even into like the main lift for both our athletes and our, um, our adult clients, something that we used to kind of use more as like a conditioning tool or just like a speed specific tool. Um, as it relates to the athletes, um, I think it's a great way to get a lot of load, um, into hip extension. Um, that's pretty sprint specific, but then for the uh, adults, even more so, 
it's very low risk, high reward. Um, there's yeah. nowhere where you're going to load an, an adult that heavy without some sort of risk of like loading the spine or something like that. Um, that is my favorite rehab tool for geriatrics. Like yeah. if somebody is like 72 years old and you're trying to get them leg strength, that is like as crazy as it looks from the outside, you're like seeing them push a sled on turf in their yeah. freaking double Velcro strap, Dr. Scholl's shoes, you know, mm-hmm. but what it will do to light up their lower body when, and it's so safe. Cause if they just stop, there's like nothing, nothing's going to fall. Nothing, you know, they don't have to learn how to rack a bar, just stop yeah. and you're done. It's just, yeah. I've, I've gone into doing a, a lot of that early on for people kind of getting into the weight room. Cause it's just, it's such an easy thing to start people with. Yeah. You know, so those right. two have definitely been added in the program a lot more. Anything you threw out that you were like, Oh my God, anything, I can't believe we've been doing this this long. Anything I threw out. Um, let me think. I, I haven't thrown stuff out, but I've definitely made things a lot more simple. Um, I think I've tried to whittle down my program to less exercises and less things um, Mm -hmm. and focus on really doing more of the basics rather than trying to think, Hey, I need to get this in here and need to get this in here. I've kind of learned that, you know, these things will work themselves in over time, but focus on what's really matters. Just kind of thinking about the essentialism approach as it applies to, to programming. So I've kind of just whittled down my approach a little bit more. Nice. Do you guys work with, I mean, you guys work with athletes of all ages and active adults. Do you guys have like weight loss clients? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have, I mean, there's a little bit of everything. We definitely have some, some serious weight loss clients right now. Um, Ken Whittier, who actually just left us for a job, uh, with the Bruins, but has been with us for a long time. was just with, um, this woman, Marie, who's down about 180 in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of people like that who kind of start with no experience and want to do serious, uh, weight loss. Yeah. Wow. And does the program change at all? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of the same exercises. It's just how do you prescribe them? Right. Yeah. Um, so like for instance, for that person who's, you know, 400 pounds, like I'm not going to spend time trying to get you to roll on a foam roller when you can't even support your body weight. I'm not going to spend time doing all these, a lot, some of these ground-based things. We're not going to put a weight vest on you because you already walked in with one. Yeah, exactly. And then thinking about like, okay, maybe that means we have you throw a med ball and then walk down and back and then have you do um, like a TRX supported squat and then do a power off press and then walk down and back and things like that. And, and, and just programming the same things differently, but it's the same tools just kind of spaced out differently through the workout. And then, I mean, really number one thing has to be the food log, like food logging has to be the step one. And, and, and from there you can kind of figure out, figure out your program. Nice. And are you guys using a lot of like wearable technologies at all? Like, um, uh, my zone, my zone is the number one thing for us. Um, okay. I think we're trying to make sure everybody does that. Now we've kind of said it has been optional for clients, but now it's like, Hey, if you start, we want you to get one of these because it makes our job easier. And then it gives you direct feedback as to what you're doing. Um, and you're using so, it as a coaching point as well. Like, yep. Okay. Yeah. For interval work, especially during the conditioning, during the workout, teaching them like, Hey, if you're running uh, tempos, I want you to recover back down to the blue um, or the green, whatever our choice is, and then say, okay, go again. Um, or our interval work on the bike saying, having them figure out, we do our assessments of max aerobic speed test, and then having them understand, hey, this is your recovery number, this is your intensity on the bike, so that they, there's a little bit of um, you know, buy-in and thinking about what they're doing on their end rather than just kind of burning themselves out every single time. I love that. I love the idea of the, the, 
basically, so for those who don't know, MyZone is just a, it just, it's like a heart rate monitor just displays on a large board for all your gym members. So you can have eight people working out, they're all wearing a belt and it has their name and their heart rate. And it's, it's pretty much real time. I mean, there's a little bit of a lag, right? Like a half a second or something, but so it's pretty much real time. But one of the greatest ways to coach I've found is like you just said, like have them run hard or do something hard and then say, you can't start number two until you get into the blue. And it's crazy how much more, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about like meditation and, and consciousness and like, you know, being mentally aware and that one cue, just telling them that you can't go until that thing turns blue is crazy for them to focus on really what's going on right there. Why am I so stressed or why am I not recovering? You know? And sometimes they'll ask, like, Oh, why, why is it my number going down? Like, why do you think it's not going down? Like, Oh, well, I guess I need to work on breathing. And it's like, okay. <laughs> it's yeah. But they sell, they, they self-correct, but it's such a useful tool for that. Yeah. I had a guy like last week, a guy who's kind of like, he's a, a like very high power job, stressed, always on the go, not very mindful. And he said something to me about like, why is my resting heart rate so high today? And I was like, I was, for me, I was so happy that, <laughs> that he said that because that means, I mean, that means he took the time to notice yeah. that things that I might say to him. He was like, I noticed my heart resting heart rate was high. So right. if, if it creates any mindfulness over, you know, what they're doing, then that's a huge win right there. And then I always tell them, it just allows me to do my job better. Um, if I can see what's going on with your heart, rather than me having to guess or get your just subjective feedback or go by a standard time interval. I think I've told this, this story on a couple other podcasts, but we, we had a system and we had a guy in there that was very stoic, you know, the whole time his member for a year probably told us a hundred words total, like, thanks. Yeah. Have a good day. Like, you know, but just, you couldn't see any emotion on his face. Anyways, throws on the my zone and we're just on foam rolling. And one of our coaches looks up and goes, are you all right? And the board's saying he's at 96% of max and we're foam rolling. And he's like, no. And the coach is like, well, are you upset? I got laid off today. And so inside the guy is fuming, but he's stoic. So there's no way to tell that's any different than any other time, you know? It's crazy. And so the coach, to their credit, was like, uh, you're not working out today. Like, yeah. <laughs> you need to go take a long, like, walk, talk, call your wife, like, yeah. fact, have her pick you up. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not putting a bar in your hand and having that, uh, your freaking blood pressure shoot through the roof. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you find out a lot about people just by seeing where they are that day. And right. like, and that the tool is so like relatively inexpensive for us to use that we're like, we want everyone to, to make sure they have it. So, yeah, that's awesome. So Kev, what do you think is the next five years of, of the fitness system? I mean, you've, you've really been a experienced strength coach for, you know, you, you had a run up as a young kid, but now you're like, you're in it, right? Like you've been at boils for as a full-time, like one of the primary coaches for how many years now? Uh, 10. I've been there for 10. So, I mean, I'd say in the last you know, five or so I've, I've been kind of, uh, one of the oldest guys there, <laughs> <laughs> which is funny, but, uh, yeah. it's, it's funny to me because when I, we met over 11 years ago, like, you know, to picture you as like the most senior, yeah. senior member. Cause I remember that day you, you and Brandon both had to work the crap shifts early, the crap shifts late, yep. uh, freaking clean the toilets at lunchtime and then drive three hours to the middle of the night to get to Providence. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> It was a, a glorified, a glorified life. Right. But exactly. What do you think, uh, what are the trends you're seeing and where do you think fitness and, and, you know, this kind of integration of fitness and, and clinic is going in the next five to 10 years? 
I think you'll see more people try to develop skills on both sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because it's become popular. If you, if you kind of keep a pulse on the industry, you see people in the fitness end of things trying to be, learn some medical skills. You see some people in the medical end, like I've seen in my courses, start to try to get fitness skills. Um, so you're going to, I think, see more people who try to be multi-tool players. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully, I think, from the true medical end, like regular doctors as well, not just PTs and chiros, but like your primary care or other people begin to expose themselves to fitness as well, solely because I think a lot of the answers that they're, that they want to be able to provide people and that are, are going to involve that. Also, I think the consumer, the, the patient overall is becoming more informed, um, as to how exercise can help them. Right. Um, so they'll come in asking questions about it. So I think hopefully you'll start to see people have their hands in a little bit more and edu- at least just educate themselves about the other person's side of the spectrum a little bit more. Um, because in the end, if we can have everything very integrated, that the, the patient wins. And I think maybe with the way healthcare has been going, if you start to see a more preventative care approach where doctors can say, Hey, this is a fitness approach. I believe in this is where you should go as part of your, um, you know, you know, plan because of your high blood pressure or your high blood sugar or, um, whatever it might be. And have a doctor say something besides like, hey, 20 minutes of moderate exercise two or three times a week, which really doesn't mean anything to the average consumer, um, be able to say, hey, you know, I, I know Josh is located here. He can really get you started on a fitness program. Um, you know, if you can start to see that type of network connection, then that's really where the money is. I just hope that, that, that we can have everyone kind of want to go in that direction. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, speaking of people want to go in a direction, if they want to take one of your courses, how can they find out more about you and the coursework and get started on a, uh, along this path so that they can be one of the cool kids who's CFSC certified. Yeah. So you can go to certifiedfsc.com. It has our full course listing. Um, we're all kind of over the world, what you do. It's cool. You register, you go through the online portion. We have a whole bunch of exercise, um, instruction videos. We have a whole bunch of lectures, uh, Mike's textbook on there as well. Once you get through that material, you do our online portion and then you go to the event, the practical event that you sign up for on the site. So we're kind of, like I said, all over the world, you go to that practical event, you take a full day course. That's really jam packed with a lot of information. And, um, that's, that's our, that's our course. You go through your practical exam at the end and and that's how you join the cool kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're moving by the way, in that course. I mean, I love it because in like the SFMA, the greatest part is we have a bunch of clinicians in the room and you see how much dysfunction we're, we're digging out of a, a relatively healthy group. Yeah. What I was impressed with at the CFSC course is no different in strength coaches. You have one guy whose, you know, squat pattern is amazing, but then you ask that dude to go lateral and he's almost falling over his own feet, you know? Yes. Yeah. And seeing that, and that's a well-trained, knowledgeable, healthy population. Just wait till you go apply it to your, you know, 40 and above crowd at the gym that on Monday. And it's like, Oh crap. Like, I'm glad I have a bunch of coaching cues here. I need them. You know? Yeah. Well, the big thing when we made that course is we said, like, I want people to come to the course and I, I, there's going to be a lot of strength coaches, like you said, who can squat or can deadlift, but like, are you going to be able to teach someone to skip or lateral shuffle or how to jump and land correctly? Cause that's all still part of the basics that someone needs to learn, whether it's just a healthy general population person or someone coming out of rehab, they have to be able to learn more variable things than just squat deadlift. Right. So it's like, like that amazing documentary, Joe dirt. Have you yeah. seen that movie? <laughs> it's one of my favorites where he, where he shows up to the fireworks stand and he's like, all you have are snakes and sparklers. 
Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what I like snakes and sparklers. Yeah. <laughs> and so you guys are helping him find the, what does he say? Uh, Husker do's, Husker don'ts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With or without a scooter stick. <laughs> that's a great reference. I like that. Yeah. You're just, <laughs> there's so many coaches out there that their programming is based on what they like. And it's like, that's not necessarily serving your client at the highest level. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. you remember that one. I, I will. I will. Yeah. All right. And Kevin, uh, how can people that are interested more in this kind of track about like uh, the massage therapy combined with strength training at your company is called movement as medicine, right? Yep. Movement, movement as, medicine. as medicine. Movement as medicine. That is also our name on Instagram. That's kind of like our acting blog. We really use Instagram almost daily to put out content. So um, if you're interested in, in those types of things, you can find, you know, all of our posts there or go to our website where we kind of repost everything there as well, which is movement as medicine as well. So, all right. And one last tip for our listeners, if you were to help them become the greatest strength coach, they could be, what's one tip you would give them that you've learned along the way? What are the scars that that beautiful beard is hiding on your chin where you got hit with the, uh, you know, the, the stick of knowledge right in the chin? Yeah, I think the, the number one thing is learn about developing relationships first. And that's something I've learned from Mike. And that's probably the best le- lesson I've learned from Mike is, you can, you, you can get your, pe- your people to listen to you and follow you and follow your program, but only if you, they know that you care about them and that you take the time to you know, learn their name, learn about their family, learn about what makes them tick first. Then you can apply anything you want. And, and that's um, when you look at the, the strength conditioning world as a whole, when you see people who are successful, I think that's the number one commonality. Their programming can be different. I see differences in how people you know, go about how they train people or rehab people but all the people who are really successful to get buy-in from people and have people talking about them years later are the ones who are very good at developing relationships. So prioritize that first. Wow. I didn't think you were going to go there. That's awesome. I appreciate it, man. All right. Well, on, uh, on behalf of Kevin Carr, this is Dr. Josh Satterley. Uh, this has been a great slice of heaven here, Kevin. I appreciate your time today, man. So on behalf of Kevin, uh, this is Dr. Josh Satterley saying, go out there, maximize your license and live the life you dream of. Thanks for listening to Clinic Gym Radio. If you're ready to double your profit without working longer hours, please visit clinicgymhybrid.com and find out how easy it is to get started on your path to freedom. That's clinicgymhybrid.com.